Soy Power Podcast is a free podcast made possible by the support of our awesome Patreon sponsors. Head to toypowerpodcast.com and see how you can help. Welcome to Toy Power, the podcast where we talk toys and everything pop culture. G'day, I'm Trent, and it is wonderful to have your company today for episode one six eight. This week on Toy Power, it's all about toys, toy fairs, and comics. And then we're going to take a little look at digital versus real comics in light of some of the debacle that's going on, on with Diamond distributors at the moment. Joining me today in the virtual Zoom studio, we have Frank. Well, hoi, hoi. Ben. G'day, g'day. Darren. Hello, everyone. And a very special guest who is known to everyone in the toy and comic community, Mr. Brett Owen. Hello. Good to have you on, Brett. We're really sad this weekend because it would have been another fantastic installment of the Adelaide Comic and Toy Fair swap meet that you put on twice a year, which is an absolute highlight in my calendar year. And unfortunately, because of COVID, we're out of action. And, and But this, hopefully, this is like a little bit of a, a taster of sort of, we can reminisce and talk a little bit about those, those events and, and some of the wonders of that in a virtual environment, even though we're not there in the real. Yeah, well, it is a bit unfortunate, but yeah, hopefully we've um, got the October one coming up, so that'll be bigger and better than ever, and we've got that to look forward to, so... Yeah, Some more exactly. time to save up, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, yeah. I was just going to say, it's going to be bigger and better in so many ways, because we'll have all the money we would have spent this time. Yeah, yeah, exactly, and it's sort of one of those things, now you know what it's... We're all cooped up inside when we're actually released. Uh, this, this, I think, is just going to be off the chart. So that's fantastic. But before we jump into that, we have had Brett on Toy Power, but that is by correspondence as we've recorded from the event live. But first time on the show proper, and we are going to hit you up with the questions that everyone coming on the show gets asked. So firstly, we want to know when you were 10 years old or thereabouts, what was your favorite toy line? Um, well, if you walked into my room, you would have seen the tens of thousands of Ninja Turtle merchandise laying around. So I'd probably go without the Playmates uh, Ninja Turtles. Really into that every birthday and Christmas present had to be the next series of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. <laughs> did you, do, did you go that. Cartman and, and sort of have a, a list that all the guests had to tick off and, and work out exactly how you collect the entire set? Um, it's got to be Ninja Turtles or something. Yeah, it's pretty much, yeah, as soon as the new ones came out, you'd have on the back of the cards and you'd be like, right, I need that one, that one, that one, that one. Down at Big W or Target or whatever and searching through trying to get it. I'm like, oh, mum, can I get this? I'll use my pocket money, all that kind of stuff until until the next series came out and then I get the next one. (laughs) (laughs) As it goes and then, unfortunately, um, stupid call of selling it, I made for my other addiction of comics. So, yeah, slowly buying them all back. Um, but, yeah, that'll be good. But definitely uh, Playmates Ninja Turtles. 
Nice. I had a pretty bit of a bit of a similar experience. Probably about ten years old, and I just remember looking at this pile of presents, all exactly the same shape, all wrapped up. And it was one of these, you know, I was trying to be a a cheeky little. Oh gee, I wonder what this is. And then I I was a little little bastard as a kid, and you know, you'd open one up, and and I couldn't. I didn't have a poker face, so I just be like. Oh, I've already got this one. I'll put it on the pile with the other ones. <laughs> like, and mum and dad are just shaking their head in the corner. Like, <laughs> yep, absolutely. Yep. We all can relate. All right, uh, Brett. Um, in terms of movies, did you have a favourite film when you were sort of at the um, ten or thereabouts? What about that? Be about eight. One eighty three. It was in ninety three. Um, once again, I guess the Ninja Turtle movies were coming out there. We had Vanilla Ice rocking it, so that was pretty good. <laughs> Um, yeah, like them. I think Jurassic Park that was 94, yeah. was it? Yeah, um, it was around then 93, 94. Yeah, yep, yeah. So, definitely huge fan of that. Um, toy line of that as well. So, perfect. Um, yeah, I'd probably go with that. The um, Jurassic Park and the Ninja Turtle movies, yeah, no, very, uh-huh. very solid calls there. Jurassic Park still holds up really well, even oh, yeah, special effects. Uh, certainly does, yeah, still incredible for a film that sort of was pioneering a lot of those digital effects. Um, and, and to me, this is what you need to do. You need to break down each scene and work out the best way to shoot it. Mm. doesn't have to be all digital. doesn't have to be yeah. all puppetry. Somewhere mm. in between is a happy balance. I think Jurassic Park is still the hallmark for doing, doing it seamlessly, picking the right scene and shooting it in the right way. Yeah. Well, didn't they, they, a lot of that was actually animatronics and that. There wasn't a lot of um, digital in it. Yeah. I'm in the so it's Dan Winston. Yeah, yeah, yeah. a lot of animatronics, but I think the T Rex, you know, chasing the Jeep, oh, yeah. and that was obviously, yeah. and then I think some of the Velociraptor parts, but yeah, and the the big dinosaurs, but yeah, I think that that to me is the key. You don't just yeah. throw animatronics out the window and go, we can do this all digitally now. You just use it Keep where it you need to. Mm. I think yeah, Jurassic World as well. When they did that, they made a point of using a lot more animatronics than just know going everything like special effects so yeah yeah. keeping it alive exactly because the brain can tell the difference (laughs) good in that way all right and now final question we know you're a massive if people at home obviously listen to the podcast can't see where brett is but he's got probably about ten thousand comics sitting there behind him what what are your favorite we're giving you three you're allowed to have a top three Top three. Top three favorite comic book characters as a ten-year-old. Yeah. Um, as a ten-year-old, definitely Spider-Man. That's what the I think it was ninety-four, ninety-three. It started the Spider-Man animated TV show. Yes. Um, yeah. it was pretty much what got me into comics. Um, started watching that, and then down the news agency. Oh wow, got some comics, and yeah, started buying them there. Um, so definitely be. Yeah, ten-year-old Brett would be the Spider-Man, and then the X-Men animated series. So that would have got me into X-Men. Um, obviously, Batman was always a kid's favorite. So probably Batman at that time. Animated Batman as well. Yeah, I didn't yeah. really watch that that much, right. and I don't know why I didn't. I just for some reason just always missed it, which was weird. And I wish I had watched it back then. So um, yeah, yeah, but just Batman in general, yeah. Yeah, my recollection of Batman the Animated Series was it was on at a difficult time. Just yep. seemed to be 
I can't even remember the time it was on. Darren will know this. Yeah, it was 4 p.m. Yeah. weekdays. <laughs> of course he's got like, that's where What channel? What channel? Come on. What channel? That's where it started Saturday mornings originally yeah. um, on, on the Nine Network, funnily enough, Trent. Um, and and then it moved to uh, 4 p.m. weekdays. I love that you know those details. That is amazing. <laughs> I would have still been on my push bike riding home from school at that time of day. That's right. <laughs> yeah. All right. You know, I love it. I, it's, yeah. Look, it was a great age for animation. I think just listing off those three to name a few very, very high quality animation. So, so iconic. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. All right. Thanks very much, Brett, for taking us through the reminiscing back to the, the grand old 1993. What a great year it was. Um, we're going to move on now to toys, fairs, and comics. And as we said in the intro, Brett does run one of the premier toy and comic events here in South Australia. It, it's pretty much my favourite event of the calendar year. And, and generally every year, if we're not suffering a pandemic, we get two to attend. And this is one of those things. We now, as Toy Power, we generally get a couple of tables. We have a bit of a showing there. Generally rove around and try and capture the feel and the vibe of the show. Um, but definitely, it's it's always in our calendar now. Um, but what you know, you, you've been you've been doing this for a, a long time now. What's sort of the drive for you in, and what do you what's the enjoyment you get out of hosting? Because a lot of work, right, to put one of these events together. What oh, sort yeah. of gives you the most? <laughs> so, <you> know, <laughs> um, <laughs> probably the, the drive. Like I just like the community. Like you get there, and it's you just get. I just walk around the whole day chatting and stuff. Like I don't get a chance to actually look for toys which i guess for everyone is the best bit um but yeah you just chat to everyone it's a massive catch-up you know like all the toy guys the all the comic guys and everything and it's i don't know you just it's just like you said it's just a fun day like i enjoy it that much um and yeah just like being able to get the the community together because i know it's not just me there like you guys said it's the you know the big thing on your calendar um it's absolutely just, yeah. it brings the entire scene or community and not only across adelaide but many people from interstate come across for it as well yeah well yeah that's actually been good the people coming from victoria and to travel you know nine hour drive it's that's a big mm. commitment and for, for me to be getting something like that is like wow people actually do like this so yeah that's really flattering to have that happen to me so what was yeah. what was the moment when because obviously we everybody and knows the uh, mega toy fair was there a moment perhaps at that con or or something else where you just went do you know what I can do this I can take what they you know risk full respect to what they're doing but this is my vision like what was there a, a tipping point where you just went I'm going to I'm going to explore this like what you know yeah well, I kind of thought about it and cuz that's a toy one and like you say I'm a big comic guy there's never really anything like the comic cons they're more about what movies are coming out than what actual comics are coming out kind of thing and so i thought you know i'll get comics together and talking with it i thought well i like toys as well i like lego i like video games you know let's kind of bring it together and then just put this little one together and like 400 people showed up and i was like what yeah. the hell yeah. like <laughs> yeah. you know few of my friends and a few of their friends and then yeah um and i thought well, i'll try it again and and it went even better and then so now i'm like yeah i love doing it and love putting it on and when you see 
all the faces and everyone loving it so much from kids to big kids like yourself. Um, it's just great to, yeah, to put it on and I want to just keep growing it. Like I don't expect to be, you know, getting 20,000 people attending next year, but I'm happy to do step by step until yeah. it whatever it's going to sure. evolve into. So, yeah. Yeah. I, I remember back 20 odd years ago, the only comic conventions things was uh amalgamated with the uh, uh cds and vinyl fairs so you'd rock up to a hall and there'd be like oh this is a cd comic and vinyl fair and uh tony from adelaide comics would be the only comics being sold there and everything else would be uh cds and vinyl and it's like well what's the point in having comics on in the main part of the title you know guy, yeah. <laughs> yeah so all right so how many uh host how many um, of these events have you actually hosted now, Brett? Uh, the first one was in 2015. Um, yeah, and then I had one a year, so one 15, one 16, and two every year since. So what's that? That's eight. Um, yeah, so eight would have been having, like Trent said, ninth this weekend, but the ninth in October, so that'll be even better. So. Yep, yep. And then <laughs> yeah. the 10th next year, that'll be pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. sweet. I have to do, mm. throw a little birthday cake and some streams. That's it. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Ninja Turtle themed and uh, yeah. you know, Spider-Man <laughs> animated and uh, X-Men, you know? Everything. That's it, that's it. <laughs> so you mentioned you're mainly a, uh, a comics guy and that's probably your primary passion. So we'll open this up to what... Uh, uh, your, I know you said you don't have a lot of time to go around and sort of peruse the tables, but in the, the time you've been hosting, what's probably the, the best pickup or score you've had from any of the, these events? So it can be toys, can be comics. What's the bit you just go, I remember the moment when I grabbed this thing. Um, I don't get too many comics. Uh, the comics we get there are pretty like newish kind of things, not too many old stuff. Um, but toy-wise, as you guys would have seen, there's, it's just epic, some of the stuff that rocks up um, from all over the place. Probably my biggest and best one, I got uh, 100% complete, except for one of those damn little pistols from the weapons rack, uh, Castle Grayscale. Yeah, nice. Yeah. Nice. Um, and I'd been looking for one for ages, and obviously something that size to get off eBay or you know somewhere else is just a pain in the ass to ship. Yeah. And then when I saw it, I was like, I'm an iron, I'm an agarin. And the guy's like, oh, 200 and what? No, it's not not so much that. It's And he goes, oh, all right, 180. And I'm like, no, I don't know. You're not hearing me. <laughs> and then I'm like, I've always wanted to There was an orco sitting there. And I'm like, oh, if we chuck in the orco, maybe. And he goes, you can have the orco. And then he just grabbed a random figure. And he goes, here, have a stinkor as well. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, you sold me on stinkor. And then <laughs> so like, um, So, yeah, so that was probably one of the best um the other one i scored a turtle party wagon um for like 100 bucks mint in box so oh, a vintage was, one not the reissue yeah vintage one so nice the, the guy that i got it from i bought it um just before i opened as well like i thought i'll go around and say hello to everyone make sure everyone's okay before i open the doors and then like just casually oh, how much is that He's like hundred bucks, and I'm like done. <laughs> put the money on the table. Then yeah. he goes, "Do you care if I keep it on the, at the stall as just a bit of a draw card so people come and look at it?" And that and I'm like, "Yeah, that's fine. That's fine. That's fine." And you're saying people kept coming up and asking how much it is, and they're offering more money and everything like that. And 
kind of felt bad, but I think it's, yeah, you can see that behind me, the, the Ninja Turtle party. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, there's, got, there's got to be some perks to you know all the all the time and effort and energy you put into you know creating that event yeah, i think you're entitled to a yeah. little bit of a you know early bird gets the worm type thing absolutely i'm guilty of uh purchasing toys before the uh event opens myself so <laughs> <laughs> yeah all right why say no if good opportunities come your way oh. gentlemen so on the topic of comics, what makes vintage comics more preferable over newer titles? Um, I just think <laughs> that well, how about the smell? Have you guys ever opened yeah. <laughs> yep. Uh, yep. Yeah. yep, I know exactly what you mean. And you get this smell. And I actually looked it up. Apparently it's the compounds in the paper breaking down. They make like some kind of like special compound and yeah. And just for starters, you just open up and it just smells great. And I'm sure everyone <laughs> agree with that. Um, you can't put that in your comic. No, but seriously, like, I don't know, I just, I find the stories better. Like, um, you know, you have, say, Spider-Man, you're reading the earlier comics, it's the first time he's fought Doc Doc or the Green Goblin or Kingpin or something. Not the 15th time that story's been retold you know, two years ago when it's like, well, hang on, I read that in 1973 or I read that in 1968. It's the same story, just different pictures. Um, no, I just I find collecting them more fun. Um, you know, you can go to any comic shop in the world and buy a comic that came out five years ago. If you try to buy a comic from 1965, it's a lot harder to find that in a comic shop. So yeah. I think it's more like the, the thriller chase. Like, mm-hmm. Probably the same with you guys, like Darren. If you, I know you love your your Batman toys, but if you went into Target and bought a new Batman toy that came out, you know, a couple of months ago, but then you went and bought, you know, a, a Batman toy from the Adam West TV show that came out in, you know, nineteen sixty-five or when was it sixty-six? Six. Yeah. 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 When the, when that was out, then that that'd be a much more fun purchase for the day, kind of thing. It's just I don't know, just stories. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely, and yeah. and the obscurity of it, and and just the the yeah. luck of being in the right place at the right time, and having the opportunity to buy it. Like a lot of the the pre-hero stuff, like when Fantastic Four and you know the Justice League and Spider Man, X Men, they all started around early '60s. But a few years before that, I collect like all the horror stuff, like um, all the weird monsters and yeah. like crime and stuff like that, which is like really really good in there. Like weird stories, like the most obscure things, and they all have little twists at the end, and it makes them like really exciting to read. And um, even that, like they used to sort of write in a comic, you'd have a page, and it looked like a page out of a novel, and it was just a comic story, but no pictures. And I don't know, just you don't get that these days, and they're a lot more interesting to read, and and the smell. So yeah, <laughs> no. It's- Hey, speaking of the the age, that's like you mentioned some sort of you know comics from the '60s and stories from the '60s. What is the oldest comic you have in your collection? Um, I've got ones from early '50s, so '53, '54, '55. Um, I don't collect anything. Like I might, I made a cutoff of January um, 1959 was when. I'd collect up from that. And the only things I get down are there's a few issues of Strange Tales and um, Journey into Mystery that I get. 
everything else I just, if I see something really cool, I'll pick it up or something cheap. I won't actively search it. Um, but yeah, I've got a quite, quite a few from the fifties that are just same thing, alien stories or crime or horror. What, what's significant about that particular 59 date that you just don't go earlier than that? Is that a degrading factor or a pro, a resale factor or? Um, well, I just wanted to put like a date because then it's yeah. either where do you stop kind of thing. Like, yeah. yeah. Um, but it's also, there's four titles that are out that Marvel released that they were running Journey into Mystery, Strange Tales, Tales to Astonish and Tales of Suspense, and Tales of Suspense and Tales of Astonish, the first issue was January 1959. Right. So I'll collect up from that. Um, and Journey into Mystery 50 was December 1958, and Strange Tales 75 was, I think it was August 1958, so they're kind of like my cutoffs. So that's why I decided everything from then up I'll collect. So... Slowly cool. getting there. So. Cool. Makes sense. Makes sense. Nice. Um, and, uh, you know, let us know what your favourite comic writers and artists are and sort of why they, they particularly shine over others. Um, once again, it's all the old guys. Like, it, it probably sounds a bit cliche, but Stan Lee um, just wrote amazing stories back in the day, all the original you know, Avengers, X-Men, all those obscure stories I was telling you about, about the aliens and the... And all that he was doing all them um and it kept going on for years after that um and yeah even like like jack kirby as an artist steve ditko and the people not only were they artists that were you know helping draw and create what avengers and spider-man and stuff looked like they're actually writers they used to write most of the, like in the older pre-hero stuff they'd write a lot of the stories and draw them themselves um, they'd make the storyboards up and stuff like that. So mm. I think older, yeah, probably writers like that. Um, and then newer stuff like uh, Chris Claremont. He's one of my favourite writers. Um, he wrote X-Men from early 70s and he's still writing it. So whatever oh, that is, 40 wow. years. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. There's, and there's probably other people, but mainly, as you could probably tell, I'm picking everyone from Marvel. Um, <laughs> being majority of my comics are actually Marvel comics, and that's what yeah. I collect. Yeah. What about the independents and things like, and you know, the freelancers like sort of Frank Miller, who jumps between, and Todd McFarlane? Yeah. And, you know. Well, that's what um, I was yeah, going to say is, um, yeah, the Frank Miller is one of them. When he got into Daredevil, and then like when he went into Batman, and he's able to write brilliant stories and draw mm. brilliant art as well. Um, just, yeah, makes him amazing. And then the same with the independent guys like Farling, like you were saying, um, that kind of started up images, image comics. Yes, yep. So one of my other favourite artists is Mark Bagley. Um, he helped up start image comics. Um, so, yeah, like him, Fairlane, um, and Jim Lee. I just love his art. I think it's brilliant. Yep. And it shows, yeah, where he went. Like now he's the... You know the general manager, was it CEO, general manager of DC Comics? Yeah, he's up there. Yeah. So he's done all right for himself. Um, but yeah, I think yeah, Frank Miller's great. Um, Jim Lee, Todd McFarlane, some of the newer ones. Um, 
I was going to ask, are there any, yeah, yeah are there any of the, the up and comers where you sit there and go, wow, this, you know, knowing the old stuff as well as you do, are there any of the, the, the current crop where you sit there and go, wow, this, this kid's going to be, be a superstar? There's a lot of artists that are amazing. They do amazing comic covers. They do amazing pictures. But then I think it takes a different set of skills to actually do the entire comic. Yeah, and 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 also to keep it continuality, like yeah. you know, just to, like mm. I'm a big fan of uh, Ben Ben Templesmith, who did uh, the original Thirty Days of Night sort of stuff, and he did uh, Welcome to Wormwood and everything. But um, and he's an Aussie as well, so you know, hurrah. Uh, and um, but he just um, so much trouble just getting his stuff out there and just keeping yeah. up the deadlines and just keeping you know the politics that you know, goes on behind closed doors and things. So, um, you know, I've, I feel for them in that sense. Yeah. Uh, there, yeah, there's definitely a lot coming out these days, uh, new guys. Um, and because there's so many different ways to draw now. It's not just a pencil on a, on a piece of paper, mm. um, like the electronic ways of drawing and all the different special effects you can add into it um, afterwards. Just, yeah, can make stuff look brilliant. Uh, yeah, and you mentioned obviously you you lean more towards the older stuff. How how do you go about uh, finding these old ones? Is it mainly what's your, what's your main source? I'm guessing eBay is where you you head most often when you're looking um, for something particular. If I'm really chasing something, I'll use eBay. If I can't source it somewhere else, but um, I know like quite a few dealers in the US, uh, one in Canada, um, and they'll just send me. They'll go to a convention and buy you know, a hundred comics or whatever, older comics. Um, and they'll just send me, this is the list I got, or they'll send me a bunch of pictures and I'll be like, yep, how much is that, 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 and that. And then I'll, yeah, grab them and wait until they've got, you know, 50 comics and then they'll ship it over kind of thing. Um, that'll be the main way I get the older comics because um, Marvel Comics didn't actually, they weren't actually re- released until the mid-60s over here. So anything older than that was never actually came out and try to get them yeah you have to work buying from the US or UK um but yeah that's majority of it would be you know people I know that I've met around the place um there's a few people in Adelaide that I see um yeah regularly they get stuff on like Ben said earlier um Tony Albanese they used to own Adelaide Comic Centre at the the record fairs um head around his house and he's always got something new for me so (laughs) (laughs) Um, he's your dealer yeah that's yeah probably yeah the main way i would get it is yeah people overseas so very awesome what are some of the surprises you've found when buying older comics um (laughs) there's been some really really good ones like um I've found some good ones like a Jack Kirby signature in an early Fantastic Four comic. Um, I don't often know the Inhumans, first appearance of the Inhumans, which already was an expensive comic. And then to find a, if you were to put a money price on it, a three to $400 signature. Wow. Um, but that's the only one I've got of his. And yeah, I think it's so much better to, instead of like signatures you get these days or it's at a convention and they sign like a hundred thousand of them in, in a day kind of thing. It's probably some guy's gone and met him at some random little place and got the signature. Um, that was pretty good. I found other random artists in older comics. Um, 
another one. I found two Stanley ones. Uh, but my favourite was I had this X Men comic, Days of Future Past. I don't know if you've ever heard of that oh, story. Oh, yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so I bought one of them. I already had one in like really high grade and I saw another one and it was high grade and it was super cheap. And I thought, oh, I'll grab that. You know, people are always after, I might be able to help someone out. Um, and then, so it came in a pretty poor bag, poor board. So I thought I'll put a fresh bag and board on it. And as I open it up, look inside the cover and it's signed Stanley 83 and then Chris Claremont as well. So two of my favorite people in comics. Oh, nice. Wow. And 83 being the year that I was born. Mm. So it was me kind of thing. <laughs> so now that's why I have two copies of the same comics. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so I didn't end up selling that. But um, yeah, the, the funniest thing that I've ever found, uh, this old issue of Daredevil, um, what would it be? 99, so that's probably 73, 1974-ish. Um, same thing. I picked up a few copies of it, real cheap. So I thought I'll help people out with it. Um, and then I was rebagging it. And I'm like, the comic's awfully thick. It feels tougher and thicker than normal. And I open it up, and then it's been some kids' magazine from you know from the seventies, and it's got four pages that are being cut out of a Playboy. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it was like this guide on like different positions um, and yeah obviously well animated photos and just like <laughs> cut them out and he's just got it stashed in his comic and then here i have you know opened it up what 30 years later from when he first Ooh. stashed it in there and i'm like oh that's interesting <laughs> yeah. i don't actually, have that issue like. i've actually kept that comic too so now i have two of that comic and i've left <laughs> um that in it because I, I like like I was saying with older comics as well, I like the history behind it. Mm. I, I, I've, yeah, when I was sort of discovering comics of early teens and things, I found a big box of um, my brother's, uh, my late brother's, you know, sort of goods, his um, belongings. And in there was a lot of comics, right? So a lot of Tarzan, a lot of war stuff like and things. And one of the Tarzan ones I think every page had biro genitalia written all all through it. Like it was just, it was X-rated pornography, you know, <laughs> done by him, uh, and and apparently his cousin. Um, you know, apparently, it's just, it's just well, yeah. I mean, because they were very close uh, mm. to you know friendship sort of thing. Um, two boys, you know, getting up to that sort of deal, and it was just hilarious to see, you know. Uh, just a, a you know a, a window into what he was like you know so to speak so um yeah very yeah, funny. That, that's what i enjoy is it's like it told a story like that was a story mm. that brought it up in your mind and mm. like other things i found like uh, the backing boards and you find someone's drawn a picture of batman or spider-man or something on the back and you're like that was probably some kid sitting at home just squiggled a picture of a superhero on it and then put it back in the backing board and you know, you see ones that are faded on a faded board, and you're like, that could have happened 30 years ago. So mm. on a comic that's 30 years old. And I don't know, just that history, it gives, like, it gives it a character instead of going to a comic shop and seeing a stack of 50 that are identical. Mm. But then you get, pick up this comic from you know, 1978 and it's just got this amazing story behind it with what you find in it or you know, simple stuff. You, it did happen in toys as well. You'd come across things like that. Um, instruction manuals and that and whatnot. But yeah, I think yeah, it really, it's really something different you wouldn't get from a new comic. 
Yeah, exactly right. Hey, with so many comics and obviously dating all the way back to the 1950s in terms of where you sort of start from, how do you keep track of it all? I mean, I'm notorious for buying toys twice because I've forgotten I had one and see it again or buying the wrong thing. Are um, you super analytical like Frank with your checklists and your spreadsheets or you just, I am. Can, you, can, you, can you keep it all in your head? Like, how do you do it? Notebook. Those at home can't see it. I've got a tiny notebook. It's about, I don't know, it'd be about A4 with about 40 pages in it. And it's got grid paper, um, <laughs> like match graph paper. And I've just put in the title and then I write the number. And then when I get it, I cross it out. Um, and it's wow. got, it had every, every title pretty much like, um, yeah. <laughs> how well, how's it? How big is that notebook? Like, you think about the the sheer number of of titles that are in your. Oh my God, that's that's like one of those. No offense, mate, but that's like one of those uh, uh, books you see the serial killers have, where it's just got all this stuff sort of scribbles <laughs> all over. That's all the mafia, you know. Yeah. The, yeah. The, 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 the it's money a hit list, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> I I my uh, uh, yeah, that's. It's, I think it just started when I first started collecting comics. You know, like I said, I was 12 and I'd, I'd just get a piece of paper and write down 10 comics that I wanted. And then the piece of paper turned into a bigger piece of paper with 20 comics. <laughs> and then now it's turned into a notebook that has, you know, probably 10,000 comics that I want to get. Yeah. So, and it's, I don't know, there's plenty of apps you can get on your phone and plenty of other like electronic ways, but there's nothing better than just, I just like pulling the book out and then you'd fold straight to Ghost Rider. Oh, there's the comics I need from Ghost Rider. And then you're it's at a convention. You just shove it in your back pocket and keep walking. It's because it smells better than an iPad. Is that right? Yeah. Like the book now is about 10 years old. So the, like, the paper's slowly degrading. So <laughs> is it, has it got that smell yet? <laughs> it has a like story to it and, and history and <laughs> where it's been and... Do, do you hide your porno in there sometimes? <laughs> 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 All right. In a segue to that, um, what are uh, you know? What are, you, are comics you are actively chasing? Like in that book, what's the sort of couple that you're just like? I cannot. I I must find this book. You know, this is on my hit list. That book has everything in it. Like it has say Hulk from the first Hulk comic down and I've got every title of Hulk that's ever come out um, and I write that in because my ultimate goal is like I said January 1959 to get every single comic up until present day um, or the cutoff is 2002 which is when a lot of stuff happened in, yeah, in comics yeah, yeah. Um, so here's my other book <laughs> <laughs> book two <laughs> This is a list of every comic that was released between January 1970 and um, December 1979. My goal by the end of the year is to have every single comic. By this year? By the end of the year, yeah, but yep. it's a bit hard at the moment. Cause it's a bit of a weird but, year. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Um, but yeah, it's to get every Marvel comic released for an, in during 1970s. Um, wow. And, and what, what, how, what sort of number are we looking like? Like, is it, is it, you know, 5,000 comics? Is it 10,000 comics that, you know, or... I haven't actually put the number up. Um, I haven't worked it out, but I don't need that many. Um, no, it's <laughs> not, not necessarily you mean, but how many products, how many comics were actually, you know, I would, towards the early seventies, they were probably doing, 
uh, five, six, seven, eight comics a month. Um, and then mid seventies to late seventies, it'd be anything between 15 comics a month. Mm. What do you got? 10 months, uh, 10 years, 120 months. Um, yeah, so that's part of what I'm actively searching for. I've got most of the main stuff. It's all the obscure things and the reprints. Um, That's what I was going to ask do you. How far do you go with that? Are you one of these people who you, your alternate covers and, and the one shots and, and all this sorts of stuff, or is it literally the, the mainline titles? Well, I despise variant covers. Like I love them for the art, but when a company puts out the same comic and just puts, you know, 20 different covers of the same thing and trying to pawn off, it kind of bastardizes the actual thing. But sure. Um, so I don't, I don't get too many of them. Um, but yeah, as for the 1970s, there isn't too much like that. So I'm trying to get everything. There is a few series that are, are reprints. So they're kind of the, if I see them, I'll get them. But they're only like a dollar each. So they're pretty easy. Um, but yeah, the main comic of that is Incredible Hulk 180, which I don't know if you know what 181 is, uh, the first Wolverine. Yes. Yep. So yep. 180 yep. being the cameo. And it's probably the only comic in the 70s that, I'll have to pay more than 50 bucks for that I need now. So, <laughs> um, so that's on the list. It's always been there, but now I'm probably going to have to bite the bullet and spend the money. Um, yeah. yeah, that's kind of what I'm hunting at the moment. Yeah. Um, and then obviously the few, few comics from the sixties I'm missing, but it's down to the, to the, the pointy end of the price line. So, yeah. So just uh, you said you're a big Turtles fan at the start. Have you got all the Turtles comics and things? Do you go down that route as well? or I've wanted to for so long, mm. and I'm a very first print only kind of guy. Yeah, yeah. well, one one to four <laughs> is going to be hard, and yeah. then it's not too bad after that. But one especially um, is difficult, and yeah. Yeah, and I, I, they are on my list. The, the few comics that I collect outside of Marvel are Ninja Turtle comics. Um, yeah, and I would like to get the the older ones, the '80s stuff. You're gonna need another book for all those, mate. Like, <laughs> know, like... there are quite a few variant uh, variations of those. Um, you know, you know, like spin-off series. You know, they, yeah. there's, I've got issues where they teach karate. You know, each turtle teaches you a different weapon style and things like that. You know, it's crazy. <laughs> the best way to learn it, wouldn't it? Oh, of course, <laughs> yeah. out, of a, out of a comic book written by um some, you know, yeah. <laughs> Some white male who's never picked up a, the weapon in their life. Knows so <laughs> yeah. how to draw it though very well. Not really yeah. get taught by a green turtle with a sword and a bandana. That'd be <laughs> so much more fun. So we know, we know. Obviously, comics is your your first love, but we are a toy podcast. So, um, what sort of you've mentioned? You you sort of delve into both of those worlds. What toys are you actively sort of uh, looking at at the moment? What do you if you you have to say what what are the toy lines? We can see some behind you you've mentioned the turtle van what if you what toy lines are you collecting basically um well i've kind of cut it down to i could just go in tents and get everything or <laughs> i could just get the basics and the example that i use is i could buy a hundred different he-man toys but i've just gone with getting battle cat he-man skeletor or panthor and that's kind of all i need um I've gone for the play sets too. Like I've got Castle Grayskull, I've got the Technodrome, I've got the Sewer play set and I do want um, Snake Mountain. Um, but yeah, that's kind of what I've done is left it at series one um, and not 
delved into the millions of other kind of toys that are out there. Um, so that's kind of how I'm collecting. I did recently, and Ben picked up one of them, sell off some of my Dino Riders. Trent got one actually too as well, a box Taurusaurus. Um, and I'm kind of already regretting that. I, I think I should have kept my Series 1 Dino Riders. I just went with keeping the Ankylosaurus, the T-Rex and the Plodocus. Um, but yeah, that's kind of what I collect and what I'm kind of actively looking for. I need um, uh, April and Krang to round off my Ninja Turtles Series 1 and 2. Um, the yeah uh, Snake Mountain I want to get. Um, I've just started Exo Squad. I like. I've always oh, liked okay. that. Cool, cool. Yeah, um, very cool. Yeah. Love the TV show. Love the idea of mechs in general, kind of thing. Yeah. Yep. Um. So yeah, I've gone for starting that. I've got a few series one. Um. Talks and you dabbled in Supernaturals as well. That was something a bit. Yeah. That. Yeah. The one I got recently, Ben saw. Um. It was the one I had as a kid. It was the only one that I had, and. It was just random amongst all my toys and stuff like that. And just a little ghost. Yeah. Got it, opened it, never knew what it was from, kind of thing. Never saw the TV show, never saw anything else ever again. And then obviously in later years realized what it was. Um, but yeah, I wanted to get the one that I had and I had thought about going down the supernatural path, but I want to get mask as well. That's on, on my list. <laughs> I don't have any of them. Um yeah, just stop, like Series one stuff mainly because then you get the, like the main characters. Like I've gone for some of the Gen one Transformers, you know, Optimus Prime, Soundwave, Megatron, all that kind of stuff. I'm going for them, and yeah, I'm just kind of not actively searching too much at the moment because of yeah, like the way the world is. This it's a lot harder to get stuff. It's a lot harder sure. to get comics and yeah, things like that as well. So that kind of cuts it. Plus, um, all my toys are in boxes. And it's evil. Like, <laughs> have stuff that you've got boxed up. Um, I don't have anywhere to display it, like, because I have so many comics. I literally have a room that's four walls, ceiling to, to floor, comic boxes. Um, like, I counted them the other week, 192 short boxes. Um, but I've been organising why I'm spending so much time, and I'm over 200 now. Um, so yeah. <laughs> wow. That boggles, and, boggles the mind. Yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. Oh, no. it's, a, it's a library. We're looking oh, he's, he's panning the camera around oh, and it's just everywhere you look there's long boxes and, oh, and wow. shelves and oh my god. This is room one. When the social distancing's <laughs> over, Brett, we're all going to have to come around for a readathon. <laughs> See you in 50 years. <laughs> and have you read all of them, Brett? Um, I read my older stuff. Like, I read the stuff when I first started collecting as I was buying them. And now I read the older stuff. But I get too many. And being an adult, you have to actually do work and <laughs> stuff like that. Um so I don't have as much time as I would like, but I have read, I have read a lot. The stuff from the sixties and a lot of the stuff in the seventies, I've definitely run. I read, but yeah, the older stuff, I mean, the newer stuff, not so much. Um, yeah. Sorry. I went off on a tangent there. No, that's no, no, you're right. Right. <laughs> that was really cool. Very that's interesting. Been, that has been fantastic. That is incredible. I knew you were massively into comics, Brett, but that's just, 
blown me away with the, the size and scale and, and the lengths you're going to to complete what is an epic span of, of Marvel comics and a few mm. other things. So that incredible, incredible journey and, and can't wait to sort of see how you go with that. Uh, we, we did touch on Toy Power last week about, obviously with COVID going around, uh, distribution to the comic book stores, as we know, is all done by one distributor that is Diamond and they basically pulled up stumps and, and sort of uh, packed up and kind of went home while this thing's going on. Um, one of the, I guess, is this sort of trade-off, what happens next and how many go digital, how many wait for print, what that does to comic book shops, which are kind of like the lifeblood and, you know, need to keep sustained and how they're dealing in this scenario with their supply basically being impacted. Pros and cons. I'd love to get your insight here about what's going on now and what this means for the future of the comic book industry, where it's going to head and some thoughts. Do you have any sort of ideas on what this is like at the moment with what Diamond has done? Um, for the comic publishers in general, I think obviously they're losing money. Diamond being the sole distributor, they can't get their stuff out and that's just like absolute. Um, it's a bit of a shake up that they realise now they should actually get rid of the monopoly and mm. make, make it so you know other people are doing the same thing for different places so that if say diamond did drop down and they were doing the east coast of the u.s and another company did the west coast and the west coast could pick up some of the slack and do what diamond were doing um but i think it's it's bad for comic stores in general because they're not getting new stock in um people aren't you know so they're not making an income from that but I'm looking and what I'm hearing from stories is that all that, you know, you go into a, a storeroom of a comic shop and they've got tens of thousand dollars of dead money. Like it's just back issues from the last 30 years. So they're selling them now. So they're, they're selling, you know, say $10,000 in these old comics a week or whatever. Those $10,000, they haven't had to pay for that $10,000. So I'm, I'm, what I'm hoping is that, those back issues is what keeps the stores alive because they're not forking out com for new comics. They're selling what they've already got. Mm. That makes sense. So, yep. Yep. Yes. Yep. Yeah, yeah. It does. so there's no, there's no outlay. It's just all inlay kind of thing. They're just making, you know, a hundred percent profit on something that was, was practically come from nowhere. So um, I'm hoping I that works out for them and it, works out for people can experience the old comics like I do. <laughs> but yeah, I hope, I hope um, it does keep the, the system alive. Um, yeah, but it is, it is sad what's happened with Diamond and what's happening with the comic shops and just the comic industry in general that slowed not only the comics down, but like you guys aren't getting your toys because Diamond do yeah. half of that as well. Yeah, <laughs> so, exactly. Um, but yeah, hopefully it, doesn't take too long before it kicks back in and, and everyone's working again and comics are getting out there and just, yeah, the distribution's back up. And we're you hearing much about how the, as you talked about, you know, the back issues and the capacity to, to generate revenue from them. Are you hearing much anecdotally about how they're selling, whether or not there is, is, um, you know, any growth in, in, you know, people buying buying those compared to to what we're used to seeing. 
Um, a lot of, from what I hear around the place, and it's it's a mix from different places like the US, it's a lot easier to get comics online and stuff like that. People don't need to go to the brick and mortar. Um, but they they are hopefully, well, they are getting sold and the places that do have all that back, well, are getting sold. Um, but I think it's also a lot of the loyal customers, the people that are used to coming in every new comic day, they're still coming in. They're still spending the same amount of money, um, but you're not getting the randoms that are coming in. Um, yeah, so yeah. If that makes sense. So you're not getting the, the add-on sales. You're just getting the people that are coming there to support, you know, their local kind of thing. Um, but yeah, hopefully it, it um, will help keep it alive. But I, I know that unfortunately a lot of stores will come close down um, with all this, especially in the US. And it sounds like they're going pretty bad over there. Yeah, they but, are. Yeah. yeah. That's really, yeah. really so just, just a quick vote around the room um, and uh, starting with you, Brett, you, I can see you've physically got a quite a load of uh, physical comics, you know, behind you and around you. Do you read digital comics or is that something, you know, is that a no-no area? Um, I can see like the, the pros and the cons for it. Like it's good that like, oh, I'll turn to your question. No, I don't read right, digital right. comics at all. Um, uh, much actually this is a stan lee quote and i love it um he someone asked him about digital comics and he said digital comics are like breasts they look great on a computer screen but i'd much rather hold them in my hand but yeah it's it's pretty much the same thing for me um i like to get the comic and to read it um and if, you could go and buy Batman 1 to 500. It would take three clicks and you've got it. Whereas to collect Batman 1 to 500 would take you a decade. You know what I mean? It's If not a lifetime. Yeah. A, it turns you from a comic collector to a comic reader, if that makes sense. You're just looking at, at a media, like a on the screen, whereas a comic collector actually goes out and collects the comic and that's part of the hobby, mm. if that makes mm. sense. Yeah. Um, oh. But I do see why people, like, as you can see, I've got an entire room full of comics, and if you could fit that onto a USB, it'd probably be a lot more um, a lot more easier, and I'm sure people's partners, like mine, would much rather have a USB <laughs> on the desk instead of an entire room of comics. <laughs> um, so, and that's the good thing, and the, the portability, like, you know, if you're travelling, like, if you, you know, in transit or, you know, not that we're flying these days, but on planes and trains and, and all that kind of stuff. It's a lot easier to read a digital yeah. comic um, over a, a paper comic. But yeah, For I sure. still think the hunt is the best thing. The and thrill of the hunt. Yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah. Hunt. Yeah. yeah. So what do you think happens to the industry from here? Okay. Let's assume that life goes back to normal in the next sort of two, two months, two to three months. Uh, Diamond I reopen their doors. Is this a, you mentioned about your, your East coast, West coast idea. Do you think this is the wake up call the industry's needed to say, Hey, we cannot have this monopoly that they've kind of been the elephant in the room that everyone knows it's a problem. Now it's proven to be a problem and potentially the, the closure of all these, stores as a result what's what's next where do, where does the industry go from here um well over time it's changed a few times the way they do it but i think it's always worked best when there's been more than one um and i think it needs to change uh, and this is a perfect example it's it's like anything there's you know 
as soon as like yeah one works fine but you know 10 works better kind of thing um and they go back to where they're printing them in australia printing them in the uk um and stuff like that and it helps with distribution like and the way that you can electronically send a comic and have it printed somewhere else Mm. just logistically is so much easier than shipping Mm. stuff all over the world um but as a distributor if you want all coming from one one printer um yeah it's so much easier if yeah people have territories kind of thing and that way if one falls down the other ones pick up the slack and you don't get something like this that which could potentially you know destroy the the physical comic industry um because at the end of the day like if new comics aren't coming out which you know dc and marvel aren't really making any money on these days to the point where dc are looking to shutting down the paper printing kind of aspect of comics um because they don't get any money off of you know all the back issues they'd rather just get their money off of a digital comic that they can sell you know thousands and thousands of times and it takes no effort to print it or distribute it or anything like that um so yeah i think um yeah, that's my train of thought. Sorry. <laughs> so who else in the room? So I personally, I'm a physical comic book reader. I've tried a couple of times to read digitally and it just doesn't feel the same to me. About yeah. the only uh, comics I've read digitally and stuck with is those uh, Masters of the Universe mini comics yeah. that came out a few years ago. Around, that was the only um, way you could get them at the yes, start. Yes, correct. They yeah. The yeah. yeah, and I think Reed gave me Deadpool and Walking Dead to try and um and maybe even the boys and i try i gave it i gave it a big effort and i just after five issues of each i just you know couldn't keep up couldn't keep my interest in reading digitally it just didn't feel Mm. the same for me so i'm all about the physical uh form so uh, frank i know you're a bit of a digital man yeah so as someone who sort of works in the technology space and to your point brett the uh, i already have you know annoyed my wife with a room that is takes over a huge portion of the house um and so my comics are, are digital i i think um in the same way that you know your 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 record or your cd stores have gone the way of the dodo largely or they're a very niche thing now and and that entire industry went online that it's that's how people get their music you pay for your spotify or your apple music or whatever it is i i kind of feel that's where the comic industry is going to go yeah. and i feel like it's been slowly pivoting in that direction for a long time and i think the current situation with diamond is going to exacerbate that and make that come a lot faster look i totally take your point brett about the the feel and and the smell um i feel that way about toys particularly i've opened vintage ninja turtles only in the last sort of year and and the first thing i do is it go up to the nose and you're like oh my god that's amazing so i totally get it for me personally when it comes to comics um i love just the ability to sit in you know in bed at night and just go flick 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 and i can read an entire run of you know 10 15 issues um versus you know trying to get those out of a long box and 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 manage it that way so that's kind of where i sit but you know i'm not one of these people who's like you know digital only and screw paper like i i I feel there's a market for both yeah i think you're 100 percent right there like it's it's just that easy and that's why it's so good and so appealing to people and i think that is where where it'll be in you know sooner rather than later 
um, completely digital because at the end of the day, Marvel, DC, they're, they're all sub-companies of Warner Brothers and, and Disney and all, Disney, mm. all they want is to appeal their shareholders and make more money. And if there's more money in digital comics because it's easier to put out, then that's the way it's going to go. They don't ultimately care about the people that want the, the paper. They just care about who they can sell more comics to and digitally it's easily cheaper and easier way and more people to sell to so another unfortunate thing mm. Aaron you a digital fan or are you more of a physical I like everyone so far I see the pros and cons of both I lean more towards the paper personally um, probably more of a um, you know trade paperback or or um, hardcover edition kind of collected works now as opposed to issue by issue for most things. There are a few exceptions to that. But having said that, I do see the value in digital as well, particularly, I think, for travellers. I think that they're just brilliant for travellers because you can take, like, volumes and volumes with you without it taking up any space, without having to worry about how much you're getting charged for, for carrying stuff around. So I see, see the pros and cons of both. But for me, there's so much nostalgia about holding holding a comic as well because I, I was reading comics when I was quite young and, and before that even having them read to me. So there is something about getting a new comic or, or getting it in a, in a book form and having that texture, that feel, the smell like Brett talked about as well. You know, just there's just something about that that like like there is with, with a physical book for me as well. You know, so for me that that's hard to top, but I can see the the absolute pros of the digital medium as well. It's just you know on, on a personal level, I, I gravitate more towards paper. Yep, Trent. I'm look. I'm I'm same. I'm physical guy, toy collector that. I went through a phase where it was a lot about going into the comic book store. It was literally across the road from my work and I'd go there every Thursday and, and pick up whatever I was after. Um, but I, I have, so definitely physical, I've tried digital where I've had to, and, and part of my digital experience is probably not having the best devices. I've tried to read them on my mobile mm. um, and just found it a, just not for me. And if I had a really flash iPad or something, maybe that experience is a lot nicer. I don't know. Um, but to Darren's point, I love trades is probably the way I kind of get it now. Like I'll, I'll get single issues for the, for my, anything master of the universe. I want the single issue and then I'll buy the trade as well. But, um, for me now, just, just stacking them on my shelf. There's something about trades that I like. I can see the spine. I can go and read the story quite easily. Uh, it's just a neat way to have the concise story told, but I've done, I've dabbled in each and, and at the moment I, I'm probably not spending a lot of money on on toys and comics. Um, but I, I would definitely miss it if physical comics weren't available. I mean, that to me would be a really sad thing to have happen. And I know we have to live in the times and, and there's innovation and, and cost factors and all these things. And, and this pandemic will shine a light on, on some of those issues. And, and, and hopefully to Brett, I know Brett made a really good point around, you know, sending files, having them printed locally and, and maybe something in that space where we can print, for that market because there will always be well at least at the moment there's a market that wants physical comic books and i would think so for the next 20 30 years those people will still be around and i hope that we can cater to those guys because it shouldn't sadly i know it is 
but it shouldn't be just about making money and what's the most profitable. It, it should be about respecting your fan base and trying to keep something about the history of, of where this has come from alive. I, I, could, I couldn't agree with that. And just the other thing, you know, we've talked before about the, um, you know, the, the stores, the, the mum and dad stores or whatever, the, the small independent comic shops that have got a lot of skin in the game right now as to where things go from here for them. But they have played such a pivotal role in making sure that these these characters were out there, um, that they were they reached the public conscience. Would we really have uh, the the? Would these characters be household names? You know, the DC and the Marvel characters. Would we have a Marvel Cinematic Universe or all the other things um, from DC that we've had? If it wasn't for the fact that you know initially in this country news agencies, but. But all around the world, there's been comic specialty stores that have pushed these characters mm. home to people, whether uh, whether it's been trendy or not. You know, pre Big 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 Bang Theory, pre Iron Man, pre The Dark Knight. You know, just pushing these characters because they they believe in the love of comics. You know, you know they're not people that that are that have made millions doing it. They've just tried to make a living pushing something that they love and making sure that the next generation gets to experience what they had. Yep. Yeah. Very well said. Awesome. On that note, we're going to wrap this episode. Thank you so much to our special guest, Brett, for coming in. And we can't wait until October when we get to all get together again and really have a a catch up and and get down to Brett's uh, comic and toy trade day. Thank you very much for having me guys. It's been a a pleasure and an awesome chat. Mm. It's been awesome having you on the show. Well, as as we've all said, we always love the comic and toy fair. Um, we're very sorry it's not going ahead this week. We, you know, I actually had annual leave um, approved, and then I sort of, um, you know, I, I sent it back after, um, you know, um, you know, um, had it reversed because I figured, you know, if the reason why I took it wasn't on anymore, I I, um, I wasn't sure I, I needed it. But um, you know, to that. Point. we all can't wait for it to come back we know it's coming back it's just um and it's going to be a bigger and better event and we're going to enjoy it that much more because we've been you know we're going through this period where we can't can't enjoy those things so when it does come back it's gonna it's gonna it's gonna mean so much more yeah well yeah looking forward to putting it back on and great to have you all back there again and yeah hopefully i can and keep you entertained and not let you down. <laughs> no, chance and of that. for those that have never been, I'd just like to say, Brett's always made us feel very welcome. He's, he's, he's let us record at the event, as Trent spoke about before. Brett's uh, guested on on episodes of, of Toy Power that we've done at the event, but he's always welcome to sin um, to do that. He, All the way really back on us. episode six, I reckon, or something yep. six or really? seven or eight or yeah, something. It yeah, yeah. Wow. yeah I, it was just Frank and uh, Darren because I was working That's that right. day or something. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, yeah. very early on, so it's um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So now we really appreciate, really appreciate everything you've done for us, Brett. And I appreciate you coming. Appreciate it. It's not just me that's doing the fair. If you guys didn't exist, the fair wouldn't exist. It's people like yourself coming along that make it what it is it's not me (laughs) no it is fantastic and we love it awesome so thanks so much to brett for coming in and thank you to all our patrons again for their ongoing support i know some of the uh the commutes that people used to do aren't 
aren't there anymore in this sort of isolation environment. A few people got a bit of a backlog of, of toy power to get through. I know myself, I always listen to it on my commute. And I, I've probably got to catch up on a few of our, our older work. <laughs> well. start, start back from episode six. You've only got another 160 to go. Like. <laughs> but thanks for everyone on the Patreon pages, um, uh, keep catching up and, and chatting toys and all the great uh, images and, and conversations we've been having. It's really kept me uh, entertained and, and immersed in the, the toy and pop culture space. And to all, all the other listeners for tuning in, we really appreciate your support. And thank you so much. For sticking with us like i said just shout out if you do want to catch up chat to anyone if you're feeling a bit stir crazy being at home we're always here to reach out to have a chat and talk anything toys pop cultural whatever you want to chat about and hopefully very soon we'll be seeing you around the toy aisles again and until next time good journey you can find the toy power team at all the usual online places Facebook.com slash Toy Power Podcast at Toy Power Podcast on both Twitter and Instagram or have your say and email us toypowerpodcast at gmail.com Subscribe to the show on both iTunes and Stitcher and please leave us a review otherwise we just assume we're awesome We are a proud member of the Giant Size Team Up Network Check out all the awesome shows on this awesome network full of okay people Want to learn more? Go to GiantSizeTeamUp.com where you can find us and a whole lot more awesome shows. Well, they're not more awesome than us, but they're awesome.